Hey, welcome to the Smart, Fabulous and Single podcast. I'm your host, Trisha Ann. Today, I'm speaking with our expert about this week's topic. It's practical, it hits all the hard places and offers tips and solutions to help us move to the next level. So stick around for today's episode. And if you have any questions for our expert, email me at pod at sfswoman.com. Welcome back to the Smart, Fabulous and Single podcast. I am your host, Trisha Ann. On Ask the Expert today, we'll hear from Pastor Buddy Walker, pastor of Faith Christian Fellowship Tavares, Florida, and director of the Empower School and Farm, a residential discipleship and missionary training school. He has a remarkable story about love after divorce. So now at this point in my life, divorced, single, single father, a question in my mind was, should I remain single? There were several concerns that I had. One, I wanted to be certain that in God's eyes, I was divorced. Legally, I was divorced. My wife was with another man and had made a decision that she wanted to uh, be with him. And did God want me to still hold out hope that somehow our marriage would be still restored? Or was it truly that that marriage, even in God's eyes, had ended? There's a scripture in John chapter 4 about a woman speaking with Jesus, a Samaritan woman. It was by a well in Samaria. And the conversation initially started off about water, but then it changed when Jesus told the woman to go call her husband. And she said she had no husband. And Jesus responded to her prophetically and said, that is true. You've been married five times and you're now living with a man you're not married to. Now, one way to read that is very condemning that she's married five times. Something is really bad wrong with her. And now she's with a man that she's not married to. But her response to Jesus indicates something different. She actually, at that point, is convinced that he is the promised Messiah, that he's the Savior, that he's the one that has come into the world to heal us, to forgive us, to save us from our sin, which is so fascinating. I believe what she saw or understood at that moment was that Jesus fully understood her. He knew her deepest hurts, his, her deepest wounds, and that he cared. And some also is historical context, recognizing how easy it was for a man to divorce a woman if he was unhappy with her, that all he had to do was write her a letter saying that she was divorced and he could send her from the house. No further obligation. It's over. And five times this woman had been put out. Five times she had been divorced. But there's another insight that came through that scripture, and it was that as Jesus spoke to her, he did not say to her that she was still married to the first husband or the second husband or the third or the fourth or the fifth, that in God's eyes, she was divorced. Those marriages were were over. Those marriages were no more. And I honestly felt like there was a release in my heart that I was no longer married, that the marriage, even in God's eyes, was done. 
And uh, it was out of that and some words that were spoken to me by different leaders. I began to think that it might be in God's will for me uh, to marry again. A big question at that point I had was, how can I serve God best? Do I serve him best by remaining single? Or do I serve him better by being married? I remember well the words of Paul when he spoke about the married person cares about their spouse and how they can please their spouse, whereas a single person cares about the things of God and how they can please God. And so it's better if you can stay single. And again, this prayer of, Lord, what is best in my service to you, single or married? In the book of Genesis, when God had created the world and created all of the animals and had created Adam, and then God himself said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a help that is adequate, a help that is exactly what's needed uh, for man. And he created Eve. In the past, I always saw that scripture as the need that Adam had, uh, had to do with his loneliness, had to do with his need for intimacy or physical affection. But I began to recognize there's something deeper here, and it's God's destiny, and it's God's calling, and God's purpose in each one of our lives. And when he said it's not good for man to be alone, he was actually referring to something more than just loneliness or a need for affection that he was talking about inner life growth. He was talking also about wholeness and this kind of covenant relationship that allows us to open the doors of our life to another person in a way where they can speak to the deep things of our heart that helps us to grow into who God is calling us to be. Now, it's true, there's some people who have a gift that they're fine being alone. But I believe that's a revelation from God, of God showing that person, I have a way of bringing you to spiritual maturity and to wholeness that does not necessitate a marriage relationship. But for the majority of us, God does something in us through marriage. And I began to recognize in my life, being who God has called me to be, I believe it's better that I be married. Now, there were big questions in my mind. How would I meet someone? Uh, I was a very busy person, pastoring a church and taking care of children. How would I even try to go someplace to meet someone? Of course, there were eligible ladies in my congregation, but I really felt like it would not be a good thing for me to date anyone that I was pastoring. It seemed like that would be a conflict of interest. Am I your pastor or am I uh, your boyfriend? And then how would that affect other relationships within the church? So I made up my mind. I'm I'm going to pastor people 
And then if I'm going to meet someone, it's going to have to be someone that I'm not pastoring. The other question was, how do I have time? I didn't have time to go anyplace. And so I decided I would look online. And this has been over 20 years ago now. There were not all of the dating sites that we have now. Uh, there was a free program called Love at AOL. And it was a place that you could sign up for. You could put a profile, a listing, and then uh, there was a search engine, and you could put in what you were looking for, like age group and location and specific interest. And I decided to do a search. So in my search, I was looking for someone in a certain age range. At that time, I was 45. And uh, I wasn't looking for someone that was very young. I wanted someone that was close to my age. I felt like they should be fairly close, not too far away, uh, so that we, if a relationship started, we could get acquainted. And most important, I wanted them to be a Christian. So I put those into the search engine, and uh, there were different profiles that popped up. Uh, interesting thing I noticed about the different profiles, I believe some uh, definitely met the criteria of being a Christian. There were others who professed to be Christian, but I recognized the kind of activities that they enjoyed. That would not fit my Christian commitment. There was one profile, though, that came up that really interested me. There was a picture of the lady. She was a beautiful lady. And I saw something in her eyes. I believe what I saw in her eyes was uh, mercy and compassion. It probably had, uh, she had learned through her own pain, her own sorrow, her own brokenness. Um, she was a, a nurse involved, involved in a medical career. She lived about 45 minutes from my home. Uh, she was the mother of two children, young children, had also gone through a divorce. But what was in the profile that most caught my eye was that she said she was looking for a biblically correct man. And I kind of chuckled when I read it. I thought, who would write something like that? Who would list that in their profile, who is this person? And so I decided to write her. I sent her an email. And my question to her is, uh, what do you mean looking for a biblically correct man? And I let her know that I was a pastor. When she saw that a pastor had written her, uh, she got very excited. Uh, she had uh, told a friend of hers, I'm probably going to have to marry a pastor to find someone that is biblically correct the way I'm looking for. And so she wrote me back and she told me that she had totally committed her life to Christ and that she was at a stage in her life uh, that that was very important 
and that she was not interested in starting a relationship with someone who professed to be a Christian and yet wanted to live worldly. I loved her answer. And we began to write to each other. So I had someone that was helping me to review the emails and uh, because I wanted someone else seeing what I was seeing, hearing what I was hearing, giving some input, helping me think of some of the questions I wanted to ask and who I chose for that task was my mom. At that time, my mom was 68 years old and uh, she was a, a widow at that point. My father had passed away and uh, she knew all of my struggles and she's very good on her computer and I was able to forward the emails. Now, the lady I was writing to didn't know that I was forwarding my emails to my mom, also knew that she was a praying woman and uh, uh, very wise. And hey, mom, what do you think about this? What, what do you think about how she responded to this question? Uh, do you think of any other questions that uh, I might should ask her? <laughs> Interesting for a 45-year-old man to involve his 68-year-old mom and helping him uh, think through the starting of a relationship. After a period of time of writing each other, we decided we wanted to meet in person. And uh, we set up uh, to have lunch together. And I had told her it had been a long time since I had uh, dated anyone. And uh, if, if we could just kind of do the lunch and see how it went. And then if the lunch went well, maybe we could extend our time together and we could go to a Christian bookstore and we could talk about some of the Christian books that she was reading and books I was reading and share some about uh, our spiritual growth. And then if that went well, we could make a decision because there was a good movie playing um, nearby and that we would go see this movie together. Well, uh, it went well. The lunch went well. And the time at the Christian bookstore went well. And so we went out to the movie together. And so this was actually about a uh, seven or eight hour long date. And uh, she was very happy and I was very happy. And so then we set up a, another date. We continued uh, writing each other. And we had been seeing each other for about two weeks. And uh, definitely there was an interest in proceeding with the relationship. And I felt like I needed to get uh, some other counsel uh, in the mix. And I really value pastoral counsel. I wanted to be certain I was not rebounding, nor that she was rebounding. And there was a pastor's conference coming up uh, that I went to every year in North Carolina and pastors that had known me for many years and they had they knew very well what I had gone through. Some of them were pastors that had encouraged me to remarry. And so 
I invited her to go to that conference. Uh, my mom went, uh, quite a few people from the church I pastor went. I set it up for her to stay in a room with some of the ladies from my church. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't think she even realized what I was doing, that uh, I had my radar. Uh, people that uh, knew me were praying for me, interceding for me, both from my church and also uh, other pastors. And um, so she shared a room uh, with some of the uh, ladies from my church and they got to know her. And then I actually set up uh, meetings for she and I to talk with some of the pastors. And then she had to fly back home uh, to go back to work. I stayed on at the pastor's conference. And then I asked for a meeting with three of the lead pastors. And we sat down together. And they immediately said to me, when your friend came, we knew why she was here and we began praying and then we spent time talking with her the first thing we want to say to you is what they said is we believe she really is a christian that she truly has committed her life to christ that she is very sincere and we don't sense any warnings as far as you proceeding in development of the relationship. And then the next thing they said, as you proceed in this relationship, we want to help you. And they appointed one of the pastors uh, to be a point person who would uh, counsel with us, who would help us. And then the other two pastors would be advisors that as we are developing the relationship, he would be in communication with the other pastors. And so it's like a team that is helping us uh, develop this relationship and pray uh, whether or not it will become a marriage. We not only involved uh, pastors, uh, we had a couple of professional counselors in our area that we began to meet with. One of the uh, programs that we went through was a marriage compatibility profile where we did a series of assessments and it involved a lot of things her family history my family history our education uh, our birth order there were so many different things in this assessment and then it rated our uh, compatibility our strong points and then our potential growth areas and one of the pastors had been trained in that uh, specific program, which is called Prepare and Enrich. Uh, the program, it serves two different purposes, helping people prepare for marriage or to enrich uh, their current marriage. And at the conclusion, um, they said to us, you are showing very high compatibility scores. Uh, we also then made times uh, to not only be uh, with each other, but to be with each other with our children. Uh, my three children still at home, her two children, and uh, watching the dynamics of, of what could be a blended family. And 
that was very interesting watching uh, the relationship between the children, the different ages, and how they began to connect with each other. And we honestly began to believe this could be a good thing, not only for us, but for our children also. We had begun to talk about marriage and uh, setting of a possible date, which was uh, in to be in uh, the year 2020, excuse me, 2011. Uh, that, that would be uh, uh, coming up on 21 years ago. And a number of things happened. She was living in Orlando and her lease came to an end. And she also uh, uh, was hired for a job in our community. And so she moved out of her apartment, moved all of her furniture into my home, and then moved into the home with my mom. So now she's living in the same community. I've got all of her stuff, and she's living with my mom, which I think it was good for her to build that relationship with mom. And one of our counselors that we went to, uh, out of nowhere during our counseling session told us, I feel like you are to go ahead and get married and spend the holidays together with your children. Go ahead and bond your family through marriage during the holidays, uh, talking about Thanksgiving and Christmas. I called, uh, the pastors who were counseling me told them about what had been said. They talked about it and they came back and they said, we feel like you're ready. So November 16th, 2010, my wife and I were married. I am so thankful to have a wonderful godly wife. Uh, when I proposed to her, we had taken all the family out to a restaurant and I had gone around the room, every one of the children from the oldest to the youngest and asked them, I would like to marry Kim is her name. Or if it was her children, I would like to marry your mom. Do I have your permission? And each one of them told me yes. Some of the virtues uh, that my wife brought into the marriage that I highly value was her love for the children. And uh, she's been a really, really good person uh, to my children. And I have also made a commitment to be a really good stepfather uh, to her children. All of our children are adults now. Uh, my youngest is 30 years old and her youngest is 25 years old. And uh, so together we raised the children. There was another thing that she did very well. She let the children know, my children, that she would never ever try to take the place of their mother. 
that their mother would always be their mother and that she would do everything in her power to encourage, strengthen, and support the relationship between them and their mom. She became a friend to my former wife. <laughs> and I know this is almost unheard of, but she became a friend. She was very intentional about it. And when she would meet together with my former wife, she would talk about things that she could do to help uh, encourage and strengthen the relationship between the children and their mom. That endeared her to my former wife. Uh, my former wife loves my current wife. Uh, it also took pressure off of me because there were a lot of details about the children then that I didn't have to work out with their mom because my wife and the children's mom, they would work all of those things out. But also what it did for my children was it made them never feel like they were having to choose to either love their stepmom or to love their mom. It took the pressure off and it caused my children to have such a strong love and respect for their stepmom. They see her as a wise counselor. When they're going through things in their lives, they'll, they'll talk with her. Uh, they'll send her cards during the year and uh, they will talk about what a wonderful thing it is to have two moms instead of uh, just one. <laughs> I know these things are very, very unusual. Some of it has come out of a understanding that I could not reverse what had occurred. I could not reverse the breakup of the marriage, but I could look for God to bring something good out of what was meant for destruction. Another term I also use is look for redemption, which means buying something back, something that has been stolen, something that has been lost, purchasing it back. And so what the enemy had stolen, what the enemy had sought to destroy through God's redemptive work, to be able to see that turned around for good, to be able to see that turn towards something that uh, is redemptive. And so at this point, uh, my children have a very, very strong relationship, both with their mom and with their stepmom. Their mother, has become a very, very committed grandmother. She is continually present to help the children with the grandchildren. Uh, she is very sacrificial. She is very tender towards the grandchildren. I think some of it might be motivated by the awareness that she lost some of that privilege of being with the children when they were growing up. And she has made a commitment 
uh, she's not going to let that slip by with the grandchildren. She talks to the grandchildren about her faith in God. I, I believe that she has found a place of uh, knowing that God has uh, forgiven her. Uh, there is not hostility. There is not animosity. My children are doing well in their marriages. I think maybe one good thing that came out of this is their level of commitment to their marriages. They do not ever want to go through a breakup of a marriage. They don't want their children to ever go through that. So basically, that is the story. And I just want to pray for everyone who is listening. If you have been through a divorce and you are questioning, is there love after divorce? May I pray for you right now? God, I pray, heal the broken, heal the wounded. Restore, I pray. Lord, don't let people lose hope. May they put you first in their lives. May they truly know, Lord, how they can serve you best, whether it be remaining single or being married. Lord, don't let them fall into a rebound situation. May they go through the process in the right way. I ask you to bless. I ask you to guide. And I thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my life and continue to do. And I pray this sharing of my life may be a source of encouragement and help to someone. Sister Tricia Ann, I want to thank you again for the opportunity to share this story. And may God bless you in the work that you are doing. It is deeply appreciated. Amen. Thank you for listening to Smart, Fabulous and Single. If you loved it, please download, subscribe, rate and share it. Then head over to our website at www.sfswoman.com to access show notes and other fantastic bonus content and resources and to sign up as a guest. You can also sign up to continue the conversation in our Facebook group. If you want to share topic ideas, email me at pod at sfswoman.com. Okay, so thanks again. And don't forget to join me for new episodes, Mondays to Fridays. You can also connect with me on FB and IG at Smart, Fabulous and Single. And remember, what you have on the inside of you is far greater than your circumstances, weaknesses and fears. So you already have everything you need to live life successfully. Mm-hmm.